Well, let's look at Ephesians 4, verse 20 this morning. Ephesians 4, verse 20. It says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 22 says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the NIV verse 23 says to be made new in the attitude of your minds. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. In the, the, the Living Bible, it says, Now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. Your attitudes and thoughts. So you see, renew. New. To be made new. In what? In the attitude. When you say in the spirit of your mind, that's talking about your thinking. The attitude of your mind. Your attitude, your thoughts changing. Our mind is to be renewed. Let's look before we go a little bit further. Let's go to look at Ephesians 1, verse 15. Ephesians 1, verse 15 says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you and make mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power. Look at verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That means you see something. Look at this verse 18 in the Good News Translation. It says, I ask that your minds may be open to see His light. I ask that your minds may be open to see His light so that you will know what is the hope to which He has called you. How rich are the wonderful blessings He promises His people. In the message... It says, I ask, ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the glory of God, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. 
your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do, grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers, oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him, endless energy, boundless strength. Let's read part of that again. Well, let's just read the, the, the first part of it. It says, I ask, ask the God of our Lord, our, our Master Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, or the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what He is calling you to do and grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life for His followers. See, seeing something. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, verse 1. Just reading a few verses here. Get, get some foundation a little bit. First Peter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourself also with the same mind. Arm yourself also with the same mind. For he has who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Verse 1 says, Arm yourself also with the same mind. The same mind is what? Same mind as Christ. Thinking the same way. In the NIV it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Arm yourself. I like the picture there. When you arm in yourself, you're putting something on. You're getting prepared. You're getting ready. What in this case are you getting ready with? The same mindset. The same attitude. The same uh, thinking. As Jesus. Well, what other kind of thinking you want? Want somebody else's thinking? We want his thinking. 1 Peter 4, verse 1 in the CEB says, Therefore, since Christ suffered as a human, you should also arm yourself with this way of thinking. Because whoever... Or, uh, this is the... This is because whoever suffers is finished with sin. Now he's talking about something specific in context, but I wanted you to get that phrase. You can arm yourself with God's way of thinking in any area, in every area. In fact, that's what, when we go back to, now let's go back to uh, Ephesians 4, verse 23. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We read the attitude of your mind, the attitudes and thoughts. You know, we've read other verses to that effect. And you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Can you put 23 up? Just leave that up. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be armed with the same mind as Jesus has that your eyes would be focused and clear. 
You know, we read in Ephesians 1.17 that you may, eyes may be open to the see the light. We're talking about changing our mindset so we see the way God sees situations, circumstances. Some words came to my mind when I was looking at this. Renew our mind as He sees. The word reprogram, you know, that, that becomes, I'm a, I have a software engineering background, and so I, I did a lot of programming, coding, um, and so that means a lot to me. You, you know, a computer can only do what it's programmed to do. Your phone, can o- it's just a computer, can only do what it's programmed to do. It's just going to behave according to inputs, but it can't, you know, I'm talking about general programs. Of course, there's artificial intelligence stuff that tries to learn stuff, and then it's just following a program. Even that, that's a bound. The thing can only do within the bounds that it's programmed to do. It only can learn whatever it's programmed to learn. It's bounded. In other words, it's not going to act outside those bounds. So if you want it to do something different, you got to change its programming. Yelling at it won't help. Hitting your phone isn't going to help. It just might break it. Especially now. I mean, I have my phone up here, but it is, it, there's no moving parts in it, except, you know, I, have, I still have one with a button. I mean, it's, it's all just, you know, electronics. All you're going to do is knock something loose. You're not going to hit it so something falls into place. <laughs> it may fall out of place. But you know, if you're trying to get it to do something different, well, I didn't do that. Well, no, you did it probably. Or else it's programmed wrong. There's a bug. But it's only doing what it's told to do. So if you want it to do something different, you're going to have to change its programming. That's the only way. The word retrain, what does that mean? If you're trained to do something, then you do it that way. And we've all trained ourselves to react to certain situations, to certain uh, when somebody says something, somebody says something, you know, you react a certain way. You get a, you see certain something on TV, you react a certain way. You know. People all over the world are using that against people as far as there's, there's, you know, things are, if you ever read headlines, they are made to get you to react based on where you're coming from. Doesn't matter what the news site is. If they know the, the people that look on a certain news site, you know, believe a certain way, they'll frame something so that it pulls on emotion. Why? So you click it. <laughs> so that there's ad revenue. It, it's, 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 it's uh, betting on the fact that you're going to do that. Every one of us goes through life and we're acting according to what we've been programmed with, how we've been trained. You know, we train people around us to react certain ways, whether we know it or not. You know, we have two uh, Conyers. They're little parrots, you know, they're like that big. 
they behave certain ways and I can't just fault them. I mean, they're, they're fine birds, they're parrots. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. They'll bite you at sometimes. That's just what parrots do. They'll squawk. Ours aren't bad. Much worse, you know. I've heard about much worse than ours. They're, they're not bad at all. But, you know, if, if me as the, the bird owner get really, you know, frustrated with my bird because they don't do what I want them to do, and I have. I mean, I'll be honest with you. My kids are sitting here. They, I can't, you know. I have gotten frustrated with them at different times. They're just doing what they're trained to do. And who trained them? We did. Whether we did something, whether we didn't do something. There's, a, there's people that have a lot more bird knowledge than I do. And um, they're good little birds. But I'm sure they could be well, a lot better trained. But they're just working in their trading. I'll tell you, you know, I give them, you know, when I go to eat breakfast, um, you know, they'll come up and they're, they're at, in their, their cages, they got two cages on the main floor. And um, I like breakfast. Whatever I'm eating, you know, if I have a piece of toast or whatever, I'll give them a little bit of that. Well, they know that. <laughs> Every morning. And if I'm not there, and I'm just out in the kitchen, they start squawking. And they're calling for me. They really like Shelly. But that, that time in the morning, she'll be in there, but they're calling for Jim. Because it's time for our treat. And as soon as I walk in there, they start moving. And they're waiting for this little crust of bread or whatever. They've been trained. They know. And if I don't do it for a while, then they'll start squawking. Like, where is my treat? We trained them. That hasn't been that long, you know. So they're trained in that way. Well, if I want them to operate a different way, Got to retrain them. Same with us. If we're trained and if we've, we're in a habit, that's all it is, is training. Habit. I mean, we just train. You can start a different habit. Replace. I know these are all R's. I mean, they're all re. You know, so they just, I guess that's just a prefix. So that's why, you know, renew, replace, reprogram, retrain. Replace with some. Our, our minds... And our thinking dictate how we see the world and how we react, how we see situations. In other words, the situation doesn't dictate how we act. How we see the situation dictates how we act. You could see, have a certain set of facts, certain set of circumstances in front of you, but how you react to that is based on how you perceive that set of circumstances. Some people may see something that they need to be afraid of. In a certain set of circumstances, they say, we're going down. I don't know how. And it causes tightness, and it causes strain, and it causes anxiety, and 
you know, fear is rampant. The same set of circumstances might cause another person to say, all right, this is a huge opportunity and we're going to pounce on it. Same thing, how you look at it. This, what these scriptures we've read and, and what I believe we'll get into, but we'll see how this unfolds, at least for this morning, for sure. This says to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, the attitude of our mind, our thinking, changing our mind and our thoughts to line up with God's Word. When we see circumstances, what our ultimate goal is, is for our thinking to line up with what God has said. So when we see circumstances, we have a reaction lined up with His thoughts, not something else. In other words, what would Jesus do? And the way we've, what we've put into our mind or what has been put into our mind over maybe years, decades, dictates how we act. And something may happen, and it happens, you know, every so often. And if we think about it a certain way, then we react the same way. Now, I know this, is, this could be general. You know, the world could say the same thing. You know, you're changing your thoughts. But what are we going to change our thoughts to? It's going to be the Word of God. Because that's going to be right. And if we're going to walk with God and be led by the Spirit on the earth, then we need to get our mind reprogrammed to think and see the way He sees so we can act the way He wants us to act so we can get where He wants us to go. Because if we come up to a situation and we say, I, I don't see, I don't know, and we start acting on things that aren't what God said, then we're going to go in a different direction when actually we had what it took to go over and actually prosper in the situation. You know, we read in in our offering time, that God delights in the prosperity of His servant. That is always true. Always. Every situation. Well, that's maybe a new thought. Religion will tell you, well, you just never know. This might be God's will for me to go through this thing, so I suffer and I learn a situation, and He probably doesn't want me. Maybe God made this happen so that I just, you know, I, I got to be humble. See, those thoughts aren't lining up with the Word of God. But we'll act, if we think that way, we'll act according to those thoughts and we'll deal with stuff that has nothing to do with God's will. Do you see that? Because you're acting, you're, you're reacting to a situation based on something that's not at all the way God sees it. On the other hand, if we have this thought that we come up against a situation, and one of our thoughts is, God delights in my prosperity, regardless of what it looks like in front of me. His will is for me to prosper. Now, God, what do you want me to do next? Because I know this isn't going to keep me down. Well, now, this is a totally different, you're hitting it totally different. You're coming up to it, and you're going, all right, so I'm getting around you. God, which way is it? See, if you thought, well, maybe it's God's will for me just to crumble here, I don't know, I mean... You know, it's just this might be my lot in life. You could stop and you could put up camp and say, I just don't know. 
And it could create situations all the time. People, they're going in life and they stop at a certain place because the way they saw the situation was no way through. This is impossible. And so things stop. Things die. Relationships can die at a certain place. Get people get to that place that we, we are not compatible. Right? Irreconcilable differences. Or, you know, people say, we just aren't compatible. They come to that conclusion. Well, that's not the Word of God. God's will for every marriage is to prosper, it is to come up. People get to the point where they, I, I don't see a way through in this vocation or this business. And, well, you got to know that's what you're supposed to do. That's, that's the right path, but you know God wants you to prosper. And if you know that you were, you were going to go, to this, this was God's will, and you checked with Him, and now you come up against an obstacle, you look at it different. You say, well, God, this is where we are. This is what you wanted me to do. So how are we going to fix this? Where are we going? Your thought isn't, well, I guess it's just over. Your thought is, we're going over. You just show me what to do, and we'll make it. That's a different, man, see your thoughts, how you reprogram something. You came up against something, as the old program is just like, same result. And then reprogrammed it to wait, you just go over here and punch through. That's the mind of God in every situation. God wants us to go over. God wants us to do well. God, God has good plans for His children. He wants us to honor Him. He wants us to live for Him. And that's always the best thing. That's always the best way. But God does not see the way men see it. we got to be careful that we're not thinking in line with men's philosophies instead of God's Word. And not making decisions based on what people say, but what God says. Look at Isaiah 55, verse 8. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my way are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are different. God sees differently than natural thinking, natural thoughts. God's not limited like people are limited. The only place God is limited is where He's limited Himself. He will not override your free will. He won't do it. Some people you know, say, well, God, just do this. We have to cooperate with Him. If we give Him place to do it, then He can do it. If we say, no, I just can't do it, well, God Himself is not going to override that. But if we look at a situation and say, Lord, I don't see how. 
I don't see it. That's okay to talk to God honestly. Don't, act, don't put on a religious air. Talk to him like you would somebody you love and trust. Because he loves you. He's a good father. Don't put on religious airs. Oh, God, now, you know, I'm thinking stuff, but now I got to, like, act like he doesn't know everything that's in me. The Bible says he sees right into the thoughts and intents of every person. He already knows. There's no, no use acting like he doesn't already know every thought that's in us. So how does he do that? I don't know. He's God. I don't know about a lot of things. I don't know a lot, you know, about a lot of things, and you don't either, about a lot, how a lot of things work on the earth. You may know in your, your specialty, but there's a whole lot of areas. There's just too much knowledge on the earth now to know everything, but that doesn't stop you from functioning on the earth. You know, you don't probably know everything about every system on the Internet, but you probably use it every day. You don't know everything about your phone. You might know some things, but you don't know everything about it. I don't know, but we use it. I don't need to know how God knows everything. I just need to believe the Bible. He already knows where you're at. you got to explain everything to him. You can talk to him, but the fact is he already knows. When you come to him, you don't got to justify yourself. You don't have to, to defend yourself. Because he already knows the truth. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows how you got there. He knows more about how you got there than you think you know about how you got there. He knows how you got there when you weren't even conscious of getting there. <laughs> you're three and four, not even knowing what's going on, and you're being programmed, and he knows it. He knows what you saw that you've forgotten. Sometimes you say, why do I think that way? He knows exactly how you think that way. You saw things, you, you learned things. You were influenced and things you've completely forgotten. Maybe you've blocked them out. You don't even remember. You've blocked it out. Maybe they were good things. You don't, you know, how did that get into me? And you, you, if you could see the video, you know, played back, you'd realize, oh, that's how that got to me. That person that I didn't even realize, that were a godly influence, they affected my life. I didn't realize they were a Christian. God knows all that. Like that. He knows. He doesn't, he doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to pull it up from some memory system. He just knows. So when we talk to him, just be honest. <laughs> this is where I'm at. Well, he knows that. Maybe it's good for you to say it. Maybe it's good for me to say it. Lord, this is, this is I, I don't see how. Okay. When we establish that, you don't know how. You don't see how it could work out. Okay. Well, now you're talking to the one that can do something. Because if you just stick there and go, I, I don't know how, and it's only what I can do. See, that's a way of thinking. I got to get it done. And, you know, sometimes we have this attitude, I'll get her done. That's not bad. But I do it. I'm self-sufficient. Okay, it's good to do things and believe you can get it done, the caveat for the Christian is you got to believe you can do all things through Christ, not just you. Because otherwise, you put yourself in the position that everybody else, it's better than to say, well, I just can't do anything. Yeah, that's better thinking, but it's not the right thinking. The right thinking is I can do everything through Christ, and God, I don't, because you might come up against the end of what you can do. Now, where's your thinking? If it's always, I'll get it done. I know. I'll look it up. I'm See, a lot of people get in that, and they're like, I don't have any use for God. That's for weak people. Oh, you're wrong. There's going to be places you bump up against something. You can't handle it. What are you going to do now? 
Well, if you realize what the Bible says, you'll say, well, I got a God that knows and He cares about me. God, I don't know. Can you help me? Well, that's a different thinking. That's, a di that's coming up against the situation with a different mentality where maybe it used to be, I don't have an answer. Now I realize God can help me. And I look at it and say, Lord, what does your word say? Now I'm going to act on what you said. And now something could break open that I thought before, there's no way. There is no way. There is no way. Luke 18, verse 24. Well, let's just skip down to verse 27. That's really what I want to say. We don't need the other right now. It says, Jesus said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Let's say it one more time. The things which are impossible with God are possible with men, or with, the things are backwards. <laughs> the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You know the things that are impossible with men, that changes almost daily. Do you realize, and we understand this, of course, but if you were to go back Let's go back 500 years. Everything that somebody needed to make the phone you carried here today existed. All the systems were in place, but the path was there. People didn't know about it. Electricity existed, right? People hadn't harnessed it. They knew nothing about it. But it was, there. it was impossible. I mean, in your lifetime, in my lifetime, anybody ever watched the Jetsons growing up? And that was old when I was growing up. It was like reruns from decades earlier when I was growing up. Was it 60s, 70s? I don't know. 60s, 60s some, hey. You remember they, they'd have, they'd go up to the little platform there and they had a flat screen and they'd talk. That looked, I mean, we knew it may be possible, but in current technology, when I was growing up, that was just not possible. My dad, you know, was in uh, real estate, and, and so early on, like in the mid-80s, 85, 86, it was business-wise advantageous for him to have a cell phone, and so he got one. Do you know what a cell phone looked like then? Does anybody know? The thing was this big. It was a bag. I mean, you carried the thing. It, it was literally this big and had a big, and it, you, you had the wire and it had the big pack and everything. It wasn't cheap. But it certainly didn't look like a screen that you could talk and see the person, you know. They had the Dick Tracy, you know, little watch. Well, we're there, past there, right? You got, you can video chat people. That's nothing now. That was not nothing, you know, 50 years ago. 
And certainly go back five year, 500 years, there were so many things in the last hundred. They had no clue. Car, plane, any kind of technology. I mean, no, tell, nothing. It was all, the, the potential was there, wasn't it? Well, obviously, people came and figured things out later. But then it wasn't, it was impossible. How could you fly in the sky? How could you talk to something this big and talk to somebody that's all the way around the world they didn't even understand what was all in the world at that point you go back you know 500 years they didn't even understand the solar systems and everything they 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 had it all a different understanding but the potential was there but you could say it's impossible these are and god no Everything about everything we're experiencing now and everything that men will ever discover and beyond that. He knows it now and always has. So when he looks and men are going, I just don't know how, he's going, yeah. I mean, it'd be like you going back and showing somebody 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and they looked at you and said, there's no way you could talk to somebody over there. Want to bet? And, you know, you'd have to have an infrastructure, but this is what you would do it with. What's that? Well, it's a phone. What's a phone? Well, it, you know, you communicate with somebody, and how does, how, how does the voice go? What, I mean, they have no concept of any of the stuff that you're even building on to explain something like that. But it all existed. Your mindset is totally different now than it would have been then. What you think is possible, what you take for granted, is different now than it was 10 years ago. I mean, even, I remember, what, what's it been like 15 years ago when flat screens really started getting into them? I mean, they were out there, but they were just thousands and thousands of dollars, but they started coming to where a flat screen TV was actually economical. I mean, at that point, you know, we had a TV this big, and it had a screen that was that big but it took all this just to get that done now you can go buy a 50 inch tv down at you know anywhere and it's just it's nothing if you want to get that 30 40 inch TV. i mean it changes so quick what we call impossible if we're dealing with god see it's a mindset we look at something and say no way what does god say about it what does he say See, if we start changing to, God, what does your word say? How do you look at it? Now things open up that, that we could not figure out, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to comprehend. But he knows. Let's look at Matthew 14, 13. Let's look at a couple examples of this. Matthew 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. So Jesus is preaching in the middle of a place, you know, deserted place. All these people have come out. It's getting to be evening. His disciples come and say, 
dismiss them so they can go get food. That's what they're thinking. The only way they're going to get food is if you send them out to buy some. Verse 16, Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. Stop right there. He's telling them opposite of what they think they have to do. They think, I have to go. We have to go get food. And he said, you don't have to go. You don't have to send them away. See, he's introducing something. They have not, this is, this is not in their comprehension. We, they, if we're good, they're going to have food, they need to go get food. Jesus said, you don't need to go. They don't, you don't have to send them away. He's looking at the situation entirely different than they are. And then what's the next thing he says? He said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And now, pfft, what? See, what he's saying is opposite or di very different. They're thinking, I'm sure, that's impossible because look at their response. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. What are they saying? <laughs> Can't do it. That's impossible. Look, Jesus, he's saying, you don't have to go away. You give him something to eat. And he said, we just have this. What are they saying? Impossible. We can't do that. What's he saying to them? There's a way. You maybe don't know, but there's a way. What are we talking about? Changing our mind? Changing the way when we see... Are, is Jesus and the disciples looking at the same situation? They're looking at the exact same situation. They have one take on it. Jesus has a different take on it. He knows something they don't know. We need to start knowing what God said and acting on that. Reprogram what, the way we thought. Verse 17 says, And they said to him, We have only five loaves and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish and looked up to heaven. He took them, and he looked to heaven. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now even people today, and even your mind might say, that's impossible. Be very careful what you're talking about there. How do you know? It's the truth. You say, you can't do that. Just like you couldn't have a cell phone. What's a cell phone 500 years ago? This is God Almighty, Jesus, and He's operating as a man and dude with the Spirit. And He knew what to do in this situation. And if we'll do what He's telling us to do, we can tap into some of the same things in situations. This really happened. Some people say, well, the loaves were bigger than in those days. Not to feed 5,000 people. What, did they have a caravan, truckloads coming in? Five loads? I mean, how big do they have to be? That's nuts. Don't try to, you can't, you can't explain it away. There's no way to comprehend. But there's no way to comprehend any number of things that you take for granted now. If you knew how it worked and saw it, you'd be like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, that's normal. If, well, yeah, if you, okay, I get it. 
Same thing. What's the difference? Dealing with God's ways instead of men's ways. Let's look at one more. Another situation. The 4,000. Matthew 15, verse 32. Now Jesus called His disciples to Himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with Me three days and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Then the disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to, to fill such a great multitude? See, what do they think? There's no way. And he's, they're saying, tell me where. How are we going to do this? Where could we get that out here? It doesn't exist, Jesus. And then he said, verse 30, 34, Jesus said to him, how many loaves do you have? And they said to him, seven and a few little fish. Verse 35, so he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave to the multitude. How do you not read this literally? How do you make this somehow some kind of spiritual thing? They are literally out and nowhere. They are literally without food. The disciples are literally saying, where would we get food for this? And Jesus literally said, well, what do you got? And the Bible says he broke it and distributed it, literally. This is true. If God can do this, you go up against a situation and you say, there is no way, we don't have it. He just multiplied a few loaves in both of these situations and fish and fed multitudes. That is possible. If that's possible then we can look in our situation and say, wait, I don't see, but hey, what's your answer? Verse 35 again, so he commanded the, the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of the fragments that, that, they, that were left. Now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. God's way of thinking in every situation is different than ours. If we'll get onto His page and start reprogramming, then we can have different results. If the disciples, if, if they would have gone with the disciples' plan, then you wouldn't have heard about this. But Jesus said, I have another plan. I, I see in this different. Well, there is no way. The doctor said, this is impossible. Again, what things do they do routinely in the medical field today that were absolutely, utterly impossible 150 years ago? Men said, I, we cannot fix this. God can fix it. God made the body. He can change anything he needs to change. It's not hard when you believe, when you understand God is unlimited, things that look completely impossible, you start to take the, the boundaries off. You say, there is nothing impossible. God can do this. He can do, that's faith. Faith rises up when you start to realize God can do it. He can do anything. So this situation, I may not see it. What does that have to do with it? That's a way of thinking. It's trusting sight. That's a way that my eyes never deceive me. I mean, we know that's not true. You see optical illusions, you see these videos, that looks like one picture and then it goes morphs and then it's another thing. And We know our eyes can't be trusted. We don't see what's around the corner. We can only see what's now. 
But a way of thinking is, well, if I can't see it, I won't believe it. If these guys said, I, I don't, I, there's no way, I've never seen anything like that, what does that have to do with it? You're about to see something you've never seen. God has a way of looking at everything that is right, that is true, that is perfect. And renewing our mind is simply reprogramming thoughts that have been placed in there and the way we've been trained, changing it to line up with God's Word. So when we bump up a situation, we say, Lord, how about this? You can do whatever. And we move forward with that knowledge. Opens up everything around us. Amen.